and welcome to Ayumi's latest podcast, where we will be discussing environmental, social and governance, also known as ESG factors and risks for the insurance industry. Joining me today is Ayumi President Richard Turner, Ayumi Executive Committee Member Annika Kuman, and Ayumi Policy Director Hendrika Kuhl. Hello and welcome. Hi. Hello. I think to begin, it would be great to kind of discuss a bit about how we got to where we are with ESG and Ayumi's path towards ESG. Richard, would you like to say a few words on this? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. And, and, and hello, everybody that's, uh, that's listening out there. So look, we all know that there's a climate emergency that as humankind we are, we are facing right now. Clearly, each one of us uh, carries that round as a, as a concern. So that isn't kind of the issue we're trying to address here. It, this, the, the issue is, so what for marine insurers, I guess, is the, is the question. Because our job as IUMI is to represent our members' interests, our members are marine insurers and reinsurers in the marketplace. And so throughout our journey with this uh, issue, we've tried to stay very grounded in the space of what do our members uh, want us to be doing. And to that end, it was around about 12 months ago, Hendrika, wasn't it, that we did a survey of our members and we asked a number of questions of them. And, and the feedback very, very strongly was that our membership said, oh, we do want you to be doing more in this space. I mean, we're talking about over 90% of our members reflecting that view. So we've been really encouraged to do more, to say more, and to really think about some of our existing areas of focus where we should be doing more things than we perhaps have been. I think a good place to start with this is to be be thinking about this topic from the perspective, the first perspective really is how is climate change and the question of sustainability affecting and going to affect marine insurers? And I think that kind of subdivides into three broad topics. The first is climate change. So I, I don't think there's much doubt now that we are seeing an increase in windstorm activity, both in terms of the frequency, but also the severity of those windstorms. And that causes an increase in the, in, the, in, the, in the cost of claims as an industry that we're paying out. We shouldn't ignore either that the rise in sea levels, which is predicted to go on for decades, is likely to cause more flooding. And of course, a lot of the assets that we insure are sitting in shore-based areas, so that has to be a that has to be a matter of concern as well. So that's that's kind of, so climate change is kind of the first area of impact, and it's kind of an obvious one, isn't it? The second one is asset change, so changes to the assets that we insure, and that's already happening. Earlier this year, of course, the introduction of low sulfur fuel regulations uh, on ships. So that's already having an impact on the ships that we insure. And I think it's actually a good example of some of these changes that are being done for absolutely all the right reasons, but they may or may not improve the risk profile for us as insurers. And I think it's arguable that the introduction of low sulfur fuel caps has made the risk a little bit more challenging from an insurance standpoint because this fuel is being introduced onto ships that were not, or machinery rather, that was not originally designed to take that fuel. So, so there is a risk factor for us as insurers in that. But it, as I say, it doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. It's absolutely the right thing to do. So asset change, changes to the assets that we're insuring, be they the, the carrying conveyance, 
on land or on sea, or of course the cargo itself. The diversity of cargo, the volume of cargo will evolve over time as uh, economies become have more emphasis around the sustainability agenda. Uh, and the sustainability piece is actually the third point, which is that some of the industries that we are protecting and some of the clients within those industries, I think are going to come under pressure. I mean, we're already seeing a lot of that with the coal sector. But equally, by the same token, there'll be there'll be growth opportunities. I mean, just look at the growth in wind farms, both onshore and offshore. There is an area of growth that insurers can benefit from. So it's not all bad news, this, but it is a moving picture. So I think it's really those are the three areas where marine, as marine insurers, we are being impacted by the change. And therefore, I think it's valuable that we, we, we have and hold a view on, on what those changes look like. That's great. Thank you. I was just going to to uh, comment on the uh, climate change uh, and the change of asset component that that Richard was was talking about, and I think the discussions that took place at the IMO very recently at the Marine Environment Protection Committee clearly show the direction that regulatory change is going to come with the IMO's uh, initial greenhouse gas emissions reduction strategy, where now the short-term measures were approved by the IMO, which clearly meets, uh, means that there's going to be a change of assets and new requirements to, to comply and to meet lower emissions targets. So very clearly, the regulatory framework is pushing us into that direction and is going to impact the marine insurers and the business they write. Thank you. And what are Ayumi's next steps? I think as as Richard pointed out, uh, we uh, conducted a survey with, with our members and I personally was very pleased by uh, the outcome and I think we got a very, very strong endorsement uh, to pursue certain partnerships and uh, I think a very natural partner uh, to engage with is uh, the UN, uh, UN Environment Programme uh, Principle for Sustainable Insurance, the UNEP PSI initiative. So, we got that clear mandate from our membership. Uh, so we took up uh, conversations with UNEP PSI and were very pleased when uh, we got approval from UNEP PSI to become a supporting institution in February. That clearly uh, is in line with the objectives that as Ayumi we have in the sustainability space. And I think the most important and, and foremost uh, goal that we have is to really raise awareness for these issues and to share information uh, and best practice uh, among among our membership, um, really. And uh, the UNEP PSI is, is uh, as I said, a, a very uh, natural partner in, in this regard. And I think before we talk a little bit more about what we we do in uh, as a as part of this cooperation i should just uh, briefly recall those um, four principles for sustainable insurance that uh, the un uh, environment program has has worked out in co collaboration uh, with the insurance industry and the first one is to embed in the decision making uh, esg issues that are relevant to the insurance business the second principle is to raise awareness vis-a-vis -vis clients and business partners partners for sustainability issues. The third one is to work with governments and um, regulators to promote action on ESG issues. And the fourth one is to demonstrate account accountability and transparency 
um, by disclosing the progress that insurers made in implementing these um, principles. And as I said, it's it's a really a major undertaking that the UN um, UNEP program and PSI have done here. Over 140 organizations uh, or insurers have participated in, in drafting those principles and they're representing more than 25% of world premium. So it's quite significant. It just shows the push within the insurance industry to really take these issues on board and to uh, sort of integrate them within their operations. And that's clearly something that we want to do as uh, Ayumi. And as a first step, uh, we held a webinar to promote a very concrete and tangible outcome that uh, the UNEP PSI initiative has put forward, and that's the um, ESG guide for the property and casualty insurance industry. And this guide really includes some some very good guidance for insurers who haven't really started getting their head around ESG issues and how to incorporate them in their business transactions. And this guide was the primary focus of a webinar that we held in in October with um, several leading marine insurers. Um, and I can really recommend it. You can find it on our website in the education uh, space, and you will learn a lot more and find more guidance about. Uh, this ESG guide, which can really help insurers to sort of develop a strategy in assessing ESG risks. If I may, I mean, I, I just like to underline one aspect of this. Where you, Andrika, you talked a lot about the work that uh, insurance companies or insurance companies are already doing in this space, and I don't think it's our purpose, is it, to tell uh, insurers what they should or should not be doing in this space. I think we're what we're more about is making sure that as an entity we are looking at this from the perspective of the marine insurers because all too often the marine insurance departments are quite small units within much bigger companies so i think we're just making sure that there's a focus from the perspective of marine insurance would you agree with that absolutely i i totally agree and um i think that's why we agreed within the executive committee and and with our membership that for the moment, the primary objective for Ayumi is to raise awareness and to inform our members and to clearly recognize and to, to respect the fact that we've got quite a wide range of uh, member associations and member companies, and not all of them are as advanced in their thinking about ESG issues. So we really need to start sort of sharing information about relevant uh, issues that directly impact uh, on marine insurers. And I think maybe that's something, Annika, where you're in a good position to share some insights from, from your experience. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, well, I'm already very enthusiastic uh, the, with this development and uh, adopted sustainability, I think, already five years, ten years, because I, I think we can contribute to a much better world and uh, also through uh, our uh, daily business. And uh, But within the Ayumi, it's very good to say that it started off, I think, four years ago with Dana Miller. She approached us, the IFI committee, talking about illegal fishing and what our thoughts about, was about this. And then we thought, well, do we think something about it? And we started to dis discuss this uh, in length over two years. And then we said, yeah, it's also our responsibility to contribute and to make sure that illegal fishing will be banned entirely from this world. It's a long way we have to go, but... I think it would be very good to contribute. 
And it's also a win-win situation because we all know that within illegal fishing, a lot of uh, fishing vessel owners, they switch off to AIS with uh, all the risks of collisions. And they are not really uh, looking well after their, uh, their, their crew, which is also with crew fatigue, but also with other aspects, also an increase of collisions on that side. And I think also because we adopted now uh, this approach and what Dana Miller wrote about, how do you say it? The, the guides he wrote for assessing uh, illegal fishing risks. Now, yeah, they, they developed two, uh, together with the leading insurers uh, just a, a very good checklist of warning signs for pirate fishing activities. And that helped us to discover this type of risk in our portfolio. And we also have to be aware that also our reputation is at stake at this moment because all the uh, the FCAs, everybody, the authorities are watching us as well as an insurance industry. And it also bends out, uh, I think one of the main uh, topics within the fishing vessels is uh, slavery. So I hope we can do a good contribution. But we have uh, many things now what we are looking at, and that's also uh, recycling ships. In uh, Bangladesh, the demolition uh, voyages and the scrapping voyages, which is always goes with poor labor circumstances, asbestos, child labor, and severe accidents. And you can also say, well, what's in it for me as an insurer? But I think also, you know, we've seen uh, now few good examples that uh, that uh, the, the ship owners are fined with uh, heavy penalties, but also sent to prison. And I think if we don't contribute in the near future to this uh, development as an insurance industry, I think we are the next one who will be fined or go to prison too. <laughs> so I think, yeah, that's a heavy responsibility also uh, for the insurance industry. We see we see more things like animal welfare. I already uh, declined writing transport, animal transport, I think for 10 years now. And I don't regret this because I see a lot of harm uh, done. Uh, we've seen uh, a lot of accidents lately again with the cattle carriers, but also with the road transport. And uh, I, I think I tried really hard over the last years to improve this. But with all the competition around us, it's very difficult to uh, improve the animal welfare totally. Well, if a cattle carrier sings, first of all, the crew, yeah, who is, how do you say it? The crew uh, who is at stake, the risk. Yeah, because they, uh, they, they all, no, normally they don't return uh, to their, uh, to the loved ones, to the children and to the family. And, uh, but also the, the, the animals themselves. I, I think we have to do something to protect them. And if we can do that and we can help this, and, and I know we, we always say we're not the police dog of the whole industry. Uh, but if we contribute maybe five or 10% in this to make life better for, the animals and the people and the crew on board. I think that will be very helpful. Strikes me, Annie, that, that the fishing industry is a really good example of something where the sustainability agenda is very closely aligned with our interests as insurers because it has surely it has to be directly in our interests for there to be a sustainable fishing industry sector in place for, for decades to come because without without that sustainability of fish catch, there is no fishing industry because it will just get shut down. So it, it is clearly there will be moments where there's a there's a more difficult choice for us as insurers if we're faced with something that, that on the one hand is the right thing to do but is perhaps economically damaging. But but in this instance, I think there is absolute correlation between the two. Would you would you agree? 
Yes, I, I certainly agree on that. It's a correlation. Uh, could, could I just come in and, and uh, comment on your initial uh, points that you, you made, Annika? You, you said that uh, you've been considering and, and thinking about ESG and sustainability issues for, I think, over 10 or 15 years. And, and that just reminds me of a comment that uh, Rolf Toro Ropperstad from Guard made in, in that ESG webinar that we held earlier this year, where he said, this has become such a buzzword in, in certain parts of, of the industry. But in fact, uh, marine insurance and other insurers have been involved in, in, in this for a long time, uh, simply by loss prevention efforts that, that we've been uh, taking and that our members have been taking. So it's, it's not really a, an entirely new issue, but it's becoming, it's growing on the agenda. It's becoming bigger and more prominent, but I think there's been uh, a lot that has been done already in the past and clearly it is becoming more more prominent and is now linked more specifically to certain industries and to, to certain businesses that we're writing. And that's what, again, brings me back to this ESG guide, which I think is very, very helpful for those insurers who have not engaged on sustainability as much as some others may have, because it gives you those heat maps and sort of really brings to, uh, sheds light into some of those uh, lines of businesses uh, that can bring up uh, certain ESG risks like transport of uh, livestock, IUU fishing and uh, those things. So it's, I, I can really recommend it uh, to, to take a look at that, at that guide. And I yeah. think the, um, sorry to cut across you, but I think the, uh, the safety part of our role, which of course has been going on for centuries, is very relevant to this. I mean, if you, you look at there's casualty playing out right now at the time we're making this recording on a, on a, container ship called the One Apus, uh, and that has reportedly lost between 1,000 and 2,000 containers. And so there is a very real environmental issue playing out uh, in terms of you just think about the potential waste that's going into the ocean. So I think our, our traditional role is, which is I've always seen as much, much more than just taking a sort of risk transfer, having a risk transfer transaction. I think we are there to help prevent loss. And the more we're able to do that, actually, the better for the world's oceans if we're, if we're able to, to follow through on that and, and make a contribution in that space. Is that how you see it? Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And again, there is a regulatory approach on this that's uh, been going on at the uh, IMO, again, on the um, plastics uh, pollution of the oceans. And in that regard, there was a specific section that was discussing containers falling overboard, and getting lost at sea. And there's just at the, the most recent Marine Environment Protection Committee meeting, uh, another proposal precisely on uh, lost containers. So I'm. I would imagine that this uh, one Apus uh, incident is like likely uh, going to push that those regulatory developments. So again, it's not just uh, the voluntary approach, but likely to be uh, an increasingly strong uh, regulatory framework as well. Yeah, Enrique, you said something about loss prevention, but the only thing what I notice well on my daily business is that uh, there is still a, a lot of competition. So if you do month warranties or do something extra on the loss prevention side, uh, you still notice that the business will disappear from your portfolio because there's always someone who's thinking you is much smarter than you are. But I think you have to stay with your strong beliefs and do just do the right thing. 
And in the end, I think you are always responsible for the profitable business of your company. And I noticed by being more uh, sustainable and aware of all the type of risks and the climate change, the deforestation. Uh, I don't insure, for example, uh, tropical wood because I think that's one of the biggest contribution to climate change. I think my profit in my book of business over the years just really improved because you get the better clients in your book of business. So we have to think of that. That's that's a really, really good point. And uh Clearly, this is something that I've come across many times when I was talking to to some of our members who who very clearly made that uh, statement. Said over the long term, sustain sustainability is positive for the bottom line. So, I mean, that was probably looking uh, quite heavily on the investment side of things. But uh, Anike, I think you you've got a point there that it uh, also applies to the underwriting side of the business. And I think we are seeing signs. Perhaps it's perhaps it's more on the investment side at the moment, but I think we're seeing signs that ethical consideration in willingness to to take risk is becoming more and more vital. Actually, so I, I really do understand. I, I appreciate where Annika's coming from in terms of her description of of this, because insurers, in fact, all parties in the financial sector will come under more and more scrutiny as to what ventures they're supporting or backing or investing in or what risks, uh, who they are supporting on, on a risk transfer basis. So this is important, I think, uh, and it will become increasingly relevant in our in our industry sector. And I think the key point here is uh, reputational risk. Uh, that is something, uh, Annika, you, you mentioned already. And, and that's been something that's been coming up over and over again. And uh, I think it was Patricia Kern, our former executive uh, committee meeting from, from uh, Swiss Re, who, who said Swiss Re's approach is uh, that it's very, very difficult to pay for a reputation that's been lost in the public. So clearly that's related to those ethical concerns. Yes, it, it does. And, and then it, it's not so difficult to do the right thing because there's also a lot of information on the internet. You have to search and you can find everything what you want, everything. The only thing is that it's a very gray area and you have to decide for yourself what is right and what is wrong. And that's the decision what you have to make, but that can you make with your colleagues but also discuss it with the brokers because we started off now discussing this with bro- the brokers in the Netherlands and even they agree that you have to do the right thing. They never agreed before, but now they do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that it's the cornerstone of, of society. I think sustainability as well and doing the right thing. And I think we have to be much more proactive, jump on the wagon and not walk <laughs> behind the wagon. I think that's a good. I, I think approach. that's a really good point. I mean, I, I actually got asked on a, on another podcast a few weeks ago about w- whether we should be proactive because there is an argument out there that you could you could make an argument that says actually the industry will will take the burden of this. They're the ones directly in a position to make technological changes or find new technologies for for different fuels or stuff like that. So why not just sit back and let them get on with it is, is an argument. And uh, and so almost by default, our portfolios end up in a more sustainable space, but because not because of our efforts, but because of the efforts of our, of our clients. I mean, you've got the example of that just 
moving away from marine for a moment, you've got the example of that with motor insurance, I suspect, because as more and more countries move away from petrol and diesel and towards electric uh, fuel or electric propulsion, and of course, assuming that that electricity itself is being generated from things like solar and, and wind, then you can't. The insurance position around motor insurance has kind of been taken care for, care of. But I, but I don't think it's good enough for us just to sit back. I really don't. I, I think, I think we do have a role to play. You know, when I started thinking about this much more heavily twelve months ago, it was a question I was carrying around with me, which is, what is the role? What does it look like? What should we be doing? Where can we make a difference? And I think there are areas where we can make a difference. Um, Annika, you, you talked about you talked about fishing, recycling. I do think we can, through our actions, through our opinions, through our efforts, through our support for measures, I do think we can make a difference to this agenda. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. How have the ESG factors been impacted um, due to the ongoing pandemic? Well, I think there is there is some impact here, isn't there? Um, I think I think one of the things we do need to remember before I directly answer your question is that everybody's focus right now does seem to be on the pandemic. You know, it's the it's the most immediate emergency we are dealing with. But hopefully, once these vaccines have proved effective and and we've all been vaccinated and, and returned to a degree of normality. The climate emergency will still be there. So as much as the pandemic has been restrictive and has changed lots of aspects of our lives, the bigger issue is is the climate emergency. Um, but but this is not all about climate change in that area. I mean, if we if we think directly about the pandemic and some of the the impacts that it has had, I think the very obvious impact is this situation where tens of thousands of crew are stuck on their ships. Which, is, which has to be debilitating for them. It puts pressures on their family life. And, of course, the other problem is the crew that are on land but can't get to the ships because the, the transport infrastructure is in place. Now, there may or may not be uh, a consequence of that in the insurance space of, you know, could we have a situation where fatigue uh, or carelessness caused by these 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 difficult situations uh, leads to more casualties. Well, that may or may not be the case, but I think I think as an industry sector that is supporting the operation of these ships, we we have to lend our support and, and express our uh, concern about about the situation that exists. Thank you, thank you. That's great. And how is Ayumi going to take this matter forward? So um, following up on, on that very um, strong support that we got from uh, last year's survey, we are in the process of somewhat institutionalizing our approach and we're thinking within a, a small sort of strategy group that includes Annika, Richard, uh, Lars Lange and myself. We had some conversations how we would like to take this forward and um, the idea is really to, to um, broaden the scope to invite uh, other members to participate uh, in the group to come up with a clear definition of the space in which we should operate on sustainability in the marine insurance uh, industry 
And um, in that context, as a next step, uh, we got some input from Butch Bakani from uh, UNEP PSI, who had the vision of developing uh, marine insurance sustainability goals. So that is something we, we could uh, set ourselves as, as goals uh, in the future. I don't think that's going to happen overnight, um, but it, it is certainly something to aspire to. And in that context, I think something that, that would be desirable is to come up with guidance papers, with recommendations, uh, position papers on some of very specific uh, marine-related uh, ESG issues, such as IUU fishing, uh, ship recycling, but also other um, topics where we as IUMI uh, and with our membership together Uh, come up with some guidance that we can really hand out uh, among our membership to to advance uh, those those topics on uh, the corporate agenda. Thank you. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you to Richard, Annika, and Hendrika. Thank, thank you. you. Bye all. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. 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 <laughs>